Hello, lovelies. Welcome to the Fat Joy Podcast, where we talk each week about how to flourish in an anti-fat world. I'm Sophia Apostol, a fat person and professional coach who loves talking to other fat people about what it's like to live within oppressive systems that marginalize our bodies and how we still dare to have the audacity and courage to reach towards our collective liberation and embrace our joy. Please know this is an adult content podcast, so there will be swears. We will be talking about harms we've experienced, and we will be rebelling against diet culture, anti-fatness, ableism, racism, etc. If you'd like to support the Fat Joy podcast, please check us out at patreon.com slash fatjoy. Oh, and I'm so glad you're here with us. Enjoy. All right. Welcome, everyone. I am so happy to be joined by Kelsey Jepson, who I've been following on Instagram, creeping on Instagram for a <laughs> long time. Um, do you know what it was, Kelsey? What so drew me to you not only was like your thought provoking kind of what's it called? The carousel where you have like, you know, yeah. you should know this about this. And then you kind of scroll through, but yeah. you post these beautiful full length photos of yourself in your fat body yeah. in gorgeous, colorful outfits. And it's like, what? She says she's a coach, but is she actually a style info influencer? Because that's uh, what I'm looking at. I so love it. It was great. I just, I, and I was so thrilled when you said, yes, you would like to chat. So welcome. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me. As I mentioned earlier, yeah. it means the world to me to be talking to other, you know, fat coaches doing this work. It's, yeah. That's like why I do this. Yeah. <laughs> we are not alone. We yeah. are out there. We're changing the world. I'm so happy. (laughs) Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Kelsey? How did you end up as a body acceptance coach? What's your path been like? Yeah. So um, I have suffered with poor body image my whole life. My first memory of hating my own body is when I was eight years old. Mm. I actually believe it was earlier than that, but I just can't quite remember it. Um, But, uh, you know, that I I really have a distinct memory of when I was eight and like thinking, oh, my body is wrong. The girls at school don't like me because my body is bad. And unfortunately, that led me to an eating disorder just a few years later. Um, You know, I was probably 11 when, um, you know, I started engaging in disordered eating and I did it with a few friends in my neighborhood, we would not eat together. We would call oh, each other when we would no. get hungry. We would exercise incessantly. We would have these weird plans. Um, at 11. And, oh, yeah, at 11. And unfortunately, that went on for years. And unfortunately, um, one of those friends died from it. No, and Kelsey. it was horrible it was, and life-changing. And... Uh, I had that this big wake up call, like, oh my gosh, I I I want to live, and I got to start eating, and mm-hmm. um, so I did, and then that naturally and and should have I gained weight, but yeah. that resulted in comments from everybody Ugh. in my life because we live in a culture that normalizes body comments, um, whether those are quote compliments or not, and so you know my family, my friends, my neighbors, people at church, people at school, my teachers, everyone in my life was commenting. On this. And so then that led me to decades of disordered eating and, and so many, so much time with body shame. And, 
Um, you know, I'm a professional actor, so that, and mm-hmm. I was a dancer, and mm-hmm. those spaces are historically very fat phobic. Um, so I was constantly told, uh, you won't work. The thing you need to work on is lose weight. And thankfully, as an adult, I, I finally went to therapy. Mm-hmm. And it was actually my therapist who was able to help me name that I was fat phobic. And that blew my mind. I had never even heard of that word, um, but it immediately resonated. And I started learning and reading. I was just reading every book I could find. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is it. And that led me to learn about intuitive eating. And um, that was definitely a game changer for me. But honestly, it did not help me to dismantle my fat phobia. And I had, you know, named that issue with my therapist from the beginning. And so then I started to look for like a group or a program to help me dismantle that. And I couldn't find one. And I was like, I maybe this doesn't exist. Uh, (laughs) And so then over the next few years, um, I just realized, and it was with the support of my therapist and a few close friends that, that if I wanted to work on this, cause I was working on it with my therapist, but I was only getting so far. And I realized that if I wanted to work on this and I wanted to do this in community, yeah. um, that I was going to have to build it myself. And mm. so I did. And I'm incredibly oh, wow. proud of, you know, the, the workshops that I've created. And, um, I'm just, I feel incredibly blessed to, Mm. Uh, I feel like the people ask me, like, how did you choose this work? And I, I feel like this work chose me really everything in my life, uh, has led me to this and it's, you know, I still love acting. Um, but, uh, this is the one thing that I felt like there's no part of me that I have to hide. And in fact, it's the things that I felt most ashamed of um, that ended up being my superpowers. And all of those things, it's like, I always say it's like the (laughs) Venn diagram where it's like what I'm good at, what's good for the world. And like, how can I um, like live a life? How can I, can I have my livelihood or how can I contribute to the world? And it's like, that thing's like right in the middle. Uh, And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really, uh, I feel incredibly fulfilled and empowered by it. And I, I'm really happy to be doing this work. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Like, gosh, out of such tragedy really is what kind of started this path for you. That's incredible. Thanks. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so curious because you help other people with this and we'll talk about that for sure. I definitely want to talk about your embodied love workshops, but for yourself, and your own journey towards this word fat. <laughs> how yeah. did, what was that like? I'm always so curious how people interact with this word that was often once a source of deep shame oh, to yes. now being like, yeah, I'm fat. <laughs> like, yeah. what is that transition like? You know, the first um, introduction that I had to owning that word uh, or treating it as the neutral descriptor that it is um, was Lindy West. Uh, yes. I am such a huge Lindy West fan. Yeah. I have met her. So just flipping my hair. <gasps> Me too. Uh, I love her but so I much. But I was so like fangirl. I couldn't talk. Oh no. I, I mean, like, I was very I fangirl you. too. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. She signed my book and I talked yeah. to her for a while. And, um, but you know, reading, cause 
you know, her story starts out with writing that column and, mm-hmm. and then the book, and then it comes out, you know, so reading Shrill yeah. and then we'll have seen the TV show um, that I had already read the book years yeah. before, but um, that was really my first introduction um, into what life could be like if I didn't fight my identity and that I could see it morally neutral. And so as I learned about that and then just, you know, Sonia Renee Taylor, I just started reading more and more books Mm -hmm. and getting more exposure to the idea of that. But there is a big difference between education and implementation. You can logically know something and it's a difference between embodying it, hence, you know, embody love workshops. So um, I really had to do it. And this is something I talk about in my workshops. I had to do it before I felt, quote, ready. Uh, and it just was really like, I'm going to try this on, I'm going to try it on. And I first started trying to just call myself out with myself Yeah. and would just be like, okay, I'm just going to notice what comes up. I'm just going to like sit with that and like mull that over and try that on. And then after I've been doing that for a little bit, I started doing it with a few really close friends and my sister and my, you know, and they were kind of flabbergasted to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I could like the, the silence was so heavy. Uh, but then as I did that, as I took those little steps and did that uh, in community, um, started to feel really good. And then when I decided, you know, I, I want, I want to be the change I wish to see in the world. So I'm going to start doing this work. I'm going to build this. I'm going to start talking about it with everyone I know. Um, and so I just really started owning that for myself. Um, and I have to say though, it was super scary, super scary. So scary. Yeah. The overwhelming feeling is and was and still is of relief. The relief that I felt, it was just like this mountain of shame mm. being lifted off of my body and uh, and to feel that the, the power of speaking that for myself, watching when you are vulnerable, you invite other people to be vulnerable. Renee and, Brown, thank you. And, <laughs> yes, and it's, you know, that, it fills my cup that makes me go oh right and then eventually over time you know we we can get comfortable being in discomfort uh the discomfort around the word started to fade away and now now I really do feel um neutral and sometimes like sometimes like yeah this is me this is Mm -hmm. I don't always feel that way um you know I still live in this world uh but it's it's really an, an amazing experience um, and one that is so empowering that I really, I want everybody to have that. I, right. I'm like, this is my little piece of joy. I want you to have that too. Let me yes. share it with you. And so I, I talk about it a lot. I use the word fat a lot. In fact, I do, um, like you said, I I uh, post, so my I do every other, I do a graphic that yeah. Photo it's so organized. I'm, I'm, I'm envious. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm very proud of my colors. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am particular about um, design, and so I, I quite it. like it. So I appreciate your appreciation. <laughs> um, but even in the um, image descriptions that I do, uh, I 
say, Kelsey, a, a fat white woman with long mm-hmm. light brown, you know, I say that I have that written and it feels so good. Um, and I kind of laugh at myself because I go, there's lots of people that don't even know I'm writing this, but I write this every day, you know, <laughs> or every other day. And it's, uh, yeah, it really is a powerful experience, one that I recommend to everyone. You just gotta, you gotta do things before you feel ready. Yeah, it's so true. I love that feeling for me. It's very sim- a very similar story to yours. Um, and what I realized as I was learning about fat liberation was that there was a part of me that really got a kick out of the rebellious nature of using that word. Yeah. And I just was like, fat, 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 fat. Like I just wanted to like <laughs> say fat everywhere because- I grew up with my sister and brother as an insult, calling me fat cow. Mm. And that hurt me so deeply and powerfully. And to now be able to use the word proudly, rebelliously, which is one of my like personality motivators is anytime I can break a rule or be rebellious, (laughs) like I am for it. (laughs) So yeah. Um, so yeah, just, there is a joy to even just using this word powerfully in an empowered way. And yeah, yeah. Um, I'm super curious since we're talking about words, I actually pulled a quote from your Instagram that I'm going to read back to you if that's that's all right. And then I want to ask you about it. So the quote is body positivity in its current form will never lead to fat liberation. Us loving how we look won't dismantle systems of body oppression. And I remember reading that and going, yes, Kelsey. Yes, that's it. In two sentences, truth. Because when I started this work, probably similar to you, you know, I don't know, seven, eight years ago now, it was just body positivity. And it just got so co-opted into something that was different than what I thought it was. And then I just got very confused for a number of years about what's the term that I use. And then I did some horrifying (laughs) things like talking about curvilicious ladies. I'm so embarrassed. I I have like (laughs) no one Google archive my old website because it's or whatever the time machine thing is. It's horrible. The words I used, but before I knew before it was kind of a little more mainstream to differentiate between body positivity, fat liberation, body acceptance, I had a client the other day come up with a beautiful term, which was body equanimity. And I love that. I I like like, it too. Right? Yeah. So, so curious because I know you work with a lot of clients around this. Mm -hmm. So words like diet culture, body positivity, fat liberation, body acceptance, like what are the differences? How do you help make sense of all of this for your clients and for everybody listening? Because it gets really confusing. Yeah. And I think that body positivity in particular is confusing because it started out as a fat liberation movement for those who are most marginalized, um, those living in the fattest bodies, um, you know, Fat Femmes um, started this movement uh, to talk about, uh, no, I deserve to be, in, it's, the world should be inclusive, it should be accessible, we should not be oppressed um, for our bodies. And then because we live in a capitalistic, fatphobic culture, uh, that was, like you talked about, co-opted. Um, you know, it's mostly now used by companies trying to sell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the irony, sell us stuff right? to fix our bodies to feel good oh. about it. But it's yeah. also been co-opted by thin white women. Um, yep. And I think that's really important to name because, um, you know, thin white women who are 
kind of bent over and saying, this is a normal body, um, love yourself. Uh, that's confusing for a lot of people because for many people that is the entry point. And, um, you know, as someone who has lived with an eating disorder um, and is in recovery and my body image was truly at its worst at my thinnest, I understand, I, I just want to name and say that I understand that body, um, negative body image harms us all and really fat phobia harms us all yes. um, because we live in a culture with a hierarchy of bodies and we all know where on that spectrum we fall. But guess what? Even those at the top, they're being harmed by that. Yes. Um, but the that's difference. I just want to pause there for one sec because do you know what? Yeah. I think that's something that a lot of people don't get is mm-hmm. that when we're talking about body liberation, fat liberation, body positivity. It's not, it like people don't get that while this still exists, no matter what body you are in, you are being harmed. Yes. And it's the, we've been listen. black women have been trying to tell us for hundreds of years. None of us are free until all of us are free. Like we, this is, this is exactly right. That it's actually in all of our best interests to work towards fat liberation, to work towards body liberation. Cause right. The more you go into, to, um, fat liberation that intersects with ableism, racism, classism, Mm -hmm. sexism, you know, this is a multifaceted, it, it, it almost always intersects. Um, but so, you know, working towards body liberation for all, all of us will benefit from that. Um, we're all suffering from body oppression. Uh, Mm -hmm. but the difference between, having poor body image, which again leads to eating disorders and poor mental health. All of that is real. All of that, um, everyone deserves support, but the difference is, is being systemically oppressed. And as someone who has lived in both, um, a thin and fat body and the, and, and the, the spectrum of what that means, um, there was a big wake up call for me when, I stopped being able to find clothes in stores yeah. when seating in public spaces became difficult, when um, medical issues I'm experiencing are blamed on my body, uh, when flying on an airplane is anxiety inducing, when getting access to um, health insurance, you know, it's not getting jobs as an actor because of my body uh, dating. I mean, it, there's just the systemic issues, the systemic oppression, both that's interpersonal and literally, you know, structurally, um, you know, there's a big difference between saying all are welcome here. And this space was built with your body in mind, with all bodies in mind. Um, that (laughs) was a really big wake up call for me, but also I'm grateful for it because I started to be able to see outside myself. Yeah. So your own lived experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I started to see like, Oh, um, do I want to feel better? Definitely. I definitely want to live a life without shame. I want my life to be bigger than shrinking myself. I, uh, I want to free my loved ones, um, from, this cycle of shame and from this bonding experience of hating our bodies. Oh, I, yes. I want to do more, so you know, I want to do yeah. more with my life and I want, I want um, the people that I love in my life to do more with their lives. And also that we, none of us know how much time we get. So, you know, carpe fucking DM. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and 
So that's a big experience in itself. But then when I could see, oh, actually the way I feel about my body is indicative of how I feel about all bodies. And am I okay with the systems in place harming so many people? Am I okay with um, the lack of inclusivity for basic life? And when I could answer unequivocally that, no, I'm not okay with that, then I could start to live a life that's aligned with my values, which is aligned with, um, you know, the change I wish to see in the world. And that was really freeing to get that space of, um, this actually isn't so personal and it is personal. I'm personally affected by this and systemic and interpersonal. And, um, you know, in my own mind, I'm, uh, you know, this is definitely impacts me personally, but it's so much bigger than, yes, yes. than me. And that is a gift. Yeah. I found that too. I found when I learned about the systemic level of all of this, it allowed me to have a bit of distance. So it wasn't always me in my own head at the personal interior level with my internalized yep. anti-fatness, which was given to me without my consent by diet culture. And when yep. I realized, oh, hang on, diet culture gave this to me. Well, now I'm not my own enemy anymore. Yeah. And now I'm, and now I could be like, All right. So hang on a second. If there's this systemic layer of thoughts that are being given to me and I see it Mm -hmm. with every magazine, every TV show, every comment. And I love how you said like this shared bonding experience that happens over how small can we make our bodies? Oh my God. Like, it's just, we're surrounded by it. Okay. So now I can focus on that. And it made me feel way more empowered when I realized that it wasn't just me in my own head. And so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Because I think it's, then you can move from, um, that desire to be accepted. Um, Mm -hmm. and you can carve out, uh, your values for yourself. I mean, it's like now when you can externalize the words of the oppressor, then that's a really powerful opportunity to evaluate what kind of people do I want to be around? What oh, kind yes. of spaces do I want to be in? And what kind of a life do I want to build for myself? Yes. And that is way easier said than done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it is. And and part of that is grieving. You know, you may not be able to fit in. Um, and I mean that literally both. You may not mm-hmm. be able to fit in spaces or oh, you yeah. may not be accepted um, by communities that you were born into, by families you were born into. Mm-hmm. And and that's really difficult. It's painful. Yeah. And, um, and I think that expectation that we don't care about that is it's silly. Yeah, um, we all a, have that need to belong. Of course. Yeah. It's you so know? true. And I think too, for people who are outspoken around this, I had a friend say to me, a really dear friend say, cause we were talking about this and we were actually arguing a little bit about something she had said that I said, that's harmful. And she said, well, you would never know the way you're responding to me talking about it. And I said, well, I guess I'm uh, like, I guess I'm covering up the pain and hurt that I feel in my response, but it's there. And please don't ever assume that I'm somehow immune to this now. Mm, Like I still, I get hurt every day with every, you know, the littlest thing. Right. And where like, I might be watching it. Oh, I've almost given up, almost given up on all white stand-up comedians. I will say, because inevitably at some point, five minutes and 37 seconds in, it will be like, so we're fat people. And 
total fat phobia. So I find I mostly just watch BIPOC um, comics now because I'm noticing they're actually having intelligent, witty stand-up comic conversations about oppression, about systemic racism, and then size comes into that because our anti-fat bias is rooted in racism. I was just what gonna say, yeah, know? this is so, Sabrina yeah. Strings, you know, yes. I'm fearing the black body, the, yeah. the origins of fat phobia. And that's yeah. exactly right. And, um, and so I think, yes, let's listen to those who are most marginalized because yeah. they have the lived experience they have generational yeah. lived experience. And part of that is horrible. I don't, you know, like that is, um, that's our own trauma, our generational trauma of being, we didn't get to choose the body or the culture or the community that we were born into. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to be born into a country founded on racism. I was. Um, and so part of that is grieving that, but then also yeah. just going, okay, that's my responsibility as right. a person that holds privilege as yes. a cisgendered white, you know, I, yes, I am fat, but, and, and I'm a woman and, you know, I have other, that doesn't mean, I think the word privilege is so I know. tricky for people um, because privilege yeah. does not mean that you have not struggled. It's I know. Like, um, it's I just, have this I conversation. Have barriers. Yeah. That's it. I can't even tell you. I have this conversation with my mom who was, you know, had poverty growing up, was an immigrant to Canada. And she's like, I am not privileged. I'm like, you are a white woman who is educated, who is yeah. well off. But that I feel like that's not the right word. And I wish Actually, there was a I better agree. word. Because well, it does get people's backs up immediately. Yeah. I'm well, and yeah, and it, it actually does the opposite of what we want, right? Right, that's it. We want, it, it closes people off instead of opening them up because what yeah. we're actually trying to get people to do is to be empathetic, is yes. to see outside yourself, to um, to give people humanity. Yes. And something about that word privilege uh, is yeah. people don't Creates identify. Distance. Yeah. yeah. As a um, yeah. So because it's really about you don't have all the barriers, you know, yeah. have, have you ever not been hired because of the color of your skin? Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah. um, so that, I wish it was, <laughs> you have... Then uh, non barriers, <laughs> right? You are not a, you are a non barriered person or a less barriered person. That's why yeah. I really like um, when I read um, oh, Sonia Renee Taylor's, or I think I actually heard her speak about it. The concept of the body hierarchy ladder that mm, really made yeah. sense to my brain. And, yes. and speaking about privilege in that way, you know, yes, at the top of the ladder is the white, thin, cis, hetero, neurotypical. Did I miss anything? Wealthy man. And then the rest of us kind of scatter down the ladder. And then we're all trying because of all the systems of oppression, try to crawl up this ladder over each other. Yeah. To get as close to the top as we can. That's that's the irony is that many people who say, um, oh, I, yeah, I shouldn't be treated this way. They actually aren't looking for equity there. It's like, I want I'm oppressed and I want to be the oppressor. Right. Um, and that there isn't enough for all that, yeah. uh, that other people having more means that I have less, that yeah. I am worthless, that my feelings of superiority, I mean, my, my, a lot of fat phobia is the need to feel superior to others. Yeah, it is. And, 
Um, that requires a level of emotional maturity. I mean, unfortunately, emotional <laughs> maturity is optional. You do not, you know, your body's going to go That's whether funny. you want to or not. It is optional. Oh. And many people don't have the, um, I think maybe the fortitude or the sense of self or the security um, in order to hold that hold yeah. that truth, um, yeah. which is why it's so radical. People don't want to hear it and they become no. angry. Yeah, they do. There is, there's a lot of anger. Well, and I feel like that is where capitalism comes into. I mean, this is a whole other podcast where we talk about how capitalism (laughs) keeps us really in this space of non-emotional maturity because you're literally just struggling to survive every day. Yeah. I mean, it's a perfect, it's a perfectly designed snow globo system to keep us allowing the billionaires to get more billionaire. I mean, it's, it's perfect. Um, So with all of that, and I find, I don't know if you feel this, but there are days where I'm just totally overwhelmed by the magnitude of the wrongness of all the systems of oppression. And then yeah. I come to my office and I talk to a client and I think, oh, here's where the hope lives. Yeah. So tell me about your work with clients. Tell me about what you do as a body acceptance coach. Like, what is that even? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I do, I, I talk about accepting, you know, we kind of touch on this, but I think the difference between um, body, I'd say, I don't, um, if you're hoping to work with me and then the, and the hope is that you're going to love your body, love how your body looks. By the end of this, I think you've picked the wrong person because uh, I don't actually, I'm not hoping for you to love how your body looks. Mm-hmm. Um, my hope is that you feel so neutral about your body that now when a body image disruption arrives, because, you know, that we live in a fat phobic culture that, uh, that literally uh, profits off of body oppression that the tune of billions, billions yeah. of dollars, like every anything from seventy-two <laughs> billion to a hundred billion dollars. Yeah, and yeah. that that there are that we live in a hierarchy of bodies, and so we are going to constantly encounter um, body shame, body oppression, and um, we are human beings, so it is going to be painful. It is going to be difficult. So. Uh, I don't think it's realistic to act like I'm never going to have a body image disruption. Um, you know, the kite sisters coined that and I think it's exactly right. And so, you know, I say that I hope that you feel so neutral about your body that when you experience a body image disruption, it no longer interrupts you from Mm. going after your dreams and from participating fully in your life in the body you inhabit now. So that's really the point. You know, I run 10 week workshops and yes, the mission is to dismantle fat phobia, but the real point is that I want people to dream bigger, that I want people to participate fully in their lives because one of the hardest and cruelest parts about fat phobia is that for many of us, we don't dream bigger than shrinking ourselves that we don't have, I like, I didn't even have space to think about, no, what do I want to do? And I believed that the barriers to success, to happiness, to love was all my body. body. My body was yep. a problem. Yep. And so, um, you know, it teaches us we don't even deserve to have dreams or even try until we fix our body. That's a prerequisite for life. Mm-hmm. And then like participating fully in my life um, for, well, for a lot of my clients that shows up like, mm-hmm. 
They don't want to be in pictures. Mm-hmm. They don't want to see family and friends, especially if they've gained weight. Yeah. Um, they, they'll go on the trip once they lose the weight. They'll buy the swimsuit once they lose the weight. They'll mm-hmm. go on the hike once they lose the weight, once they get fit. It's all these everyday experiences that are being put off, put off, put off. And it's the hiding. It's the waiting. Mm-hmm. And so that is really the goal of the workshop. It's the first thing I ask people. Um, it's a tough, it's a tough and empowering class. You know, the first time I did this work for myself, um, I taking, a like a coaching and life path, uh, course, I'd done some training and I bawled when they asked me, what do you, what are your dreams? And when I had to read it Mm -hmm. out loud, I just bawled and bawled and bawled. And that was one of the first signs that I was like, oh, it's my, I, oh, I have poor body image. Uh, You know, it was like (laughs) one of those first clues that was like, oh, "Oh, maybe you need to start to get help. And it actually took a little while later for me to go see a therapist. But, you know, these are the things that happened in my twenties that I'm so grateful for Mm -hmm. because they were just huge um, signs to me. So that's really what I ask people is I want you to work towards those things and how like, and so even naming that and doing that in community, um, that is huge. Mm -hmm. That's a huge part of the healing, but then, you know, I, we got to work on those barriers, which is like fat phobia. And I like to tell people that my definition of fat phobia is the fear of fatness on ourselves. Mm. And that is coupled with the systemic hatred of fat bodies, which we have inherited. Um, You know, we were born into a culture that taught, we've been taught to hate fat bodies from before we were born. And then I talk about, well, what is body acceptance actually look like on a day-to-day basis? What does improving body image look like in moment-to-moment work? Uh, And then we talk about hurdles like health, health, yeah. Health is a reason why this is a social justice issue. Medical yes. phobia is killing people every day. Yeah. Um, and that's a major hurdle for people. And it's it's valid yeah. because oh, doctors yeah. are indoctrinated. I mean, we pathologize fatness. So talk about yeah. health. We talk about the moralization of health. Um, talk about, you know, identifying diet culture uh, and fat phobia. <laughs> One thing that you were as kind of thinking of it when you were talking about shows that you watch, I literally shout at my television. Oh. Anytime something is fat phobic, I yell, that's fat phobic. Mm-hmm. My yep. husband is so used I to know. it. Now he's like, yeah, but for me, <laughs> I think it's a part of the work because unfortunately fat phobia is so normalized in our culture yes. that we need to name that it's not normal. This is not okay. This is not normal. And we have to start, stop being so desensitized. I want to be sensitive yes. to it. And yeah. it is painful once you see fat phobia, you can't unsee it. And like you said, you go to the grocery store and it's in every magazine. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Diet culture is embedded in every facet of our lives. Yeah. So we talk about that. We talk about shame. We talk about the oppression um, of fat bodies. You know, I say that though I'm asking people to do this deep and difficult internal work. Um, we must center those who are most marginalized Mm because the work isn't done once we feel better. It's once we do better. Yeah. And um, so I teach people how to navigate medical fat phobia. Um, I have experienced medical fat phobia and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's one of the hardest parts of navigating living in a fat body in our world. Um, I talk about improving relationship to food and to movement, uh, I, I'm an intuitive eater, but I'm not an intuitive eating coach. Yeah. Um, I applaud those who are, but it, for me, it wasn't the 
the main, you yeah. know, I was like, oh, this isn't. So I'm also talking about the morality around food and, and engaging in joyful movement and also the moralization of movement and the ableism around movement. Mm-hmm. And then like owning your own story, owning your own identities and, um, you know, how to navigate fat phobia with loved ones because, oh, that's well, a big one. That's oh, it is because one. this is still radical. Like yeah. look, accepting your body, just being in acceptance is mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. um, taboo. It's so it's oh, yeah. subversive. No matter what your body is, this is why this harms everybody. Yes. Yeah. And so we're all going to have people in our lives who yeah. we love and they may love us, but they aren't doing this work. So, you know, I teach people how to navigate that, how to set boundaries, how to be your authentic mm-hmm. self, how to, how to, how to set that boundary. So you can still go on your journey while also not being harmed every moment of your life. Yeah. It's yeah. so interesting. That one, that's such a hard one. I know for even just myself, I had to get a lot of support around it where I, I think I spent probably five years of interacting with my mom, trying to have her understand. I was trying to like teach her Mm. (laughs) and she's a medical professional. Both my parents are. So it was like, it's so entrenched no matter what research I sent. And then I like to get to the point where it's like, okay, she's going to do her. I'm going to do me. And here are the boundaries. And we went through a very tough boundary phase. And I've done this with a lot of my family where I'm like, yeah, you've just said something that I've said, I'm not comfortable with you saying, so I am now going to hang up the phone as I said, I would, because this is a boundary that's been crossed yeah. and I would hang and, up. <laughs> yep. And I think that's a really great example. Cause I think sometimes people get confused and they think that boundaries is controlling what other people do and say, we're never no. going to be able to control what other no. people do and say, no. setting a boundary is deciding what you are going to do. Yeah. What I'm and, okay with. Yeah. Yeah. And setting realistic boundaries, because I think if you say, if you, if you talk about um, all the naughty foods you're eating one Mm -hmm. more time, I'm never coming to dinner again. Well, are you really never coming to dinner again? Right. Because a boundary actually has to be something that you are willing to carry through and hold. Otherwise that person learns, oh, they don't mean that. They're just talking shit. Yeah. And um, they're just upset. They don't know. So it's, yeah. it's difficult. Um, it's and that's also difficult. where I do, I do small group workshops. Um, mm-hmm. because, you know, f- again, like I went to therapy and that helped me, but that only got me so far. And there is something so incredibly healing about naming your speaking, your truth and mm-hmm. being met with validation and an embrace, yes. like shame can no yeah. longer live there. And that's just such a huge part of, you know, that, that isolation of yeah. fat phobia, um, and the hiding. I mean, it's just, I never told anyone, um, you know, basically after, uh, really middle school, that I had body image issues, that I didn't like my body, that I had body shame. I never mentioned it. And I sort of laughed. And I think it's where Lindy West's experience resonated so much with me because I think I really thought that like, one, if I said that I was fat, then that would be like admitting there was a problem that I'd have to do something about the problem. But also a very real part of me, I think, thought that if I never 
said it that maybe no one would know. Would notice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right? And I died laughing yeah. because I'm like, people have eyes. Like, no. like just because I was being very oh. careful to only look at my body in certain, yeah. like I, even in the mirror, I would only yeah. look at certain angles mm-hmm. and I would curate every picture, which oh, then yeah. would mean if someone else took a picture or video of me, I would have a huge body image disruption yeah. and that would start a cycle of violence. I would go yeah. on a crazy diet. I would go on extreme oh, exercise gosh. regime. And it's like, oh, right. Yeah. When... If I can just see myself, if I can have that exposure to my own body and to other fat bodies and actually name my experience, like the amount of healing that can happen when you do that in community, when you have those connections, I mean, it is a life better than I ever dreamed of. Totally. Oh my gosh. I agree (laughs) with everything that you're saying. Um, I'm so curious, you mentioned a number of the challenges that are faced by your clients and how for so many of them, it is this every day. Like I had a client come to me yesterday, say, or not yesterday, sorry, the other week saying, um, so it's about to be spring slash summer and I'm petrified of taking off my winter coat. And I'm like, oh, she goes, so can we work together? Just that little thing of having to go outside without a coat Mm. brought so much up for this client that it was like, okay, there is something much deeper here that they want to look into. And I'm so grateful for that, but it really is these everyday things. So tell me what, like, what is, what, how, what are some of the six, not, I hate that term success stories, but like, what are some of the, because I, here's why I hate that term because as someone, and I'm sure you can relate to this, who's been doing this work for a lot of time. There will always be, like you say, body image disruptors. There will Mm -hmm. be moments that come up. So it's not about, I will never feel anti-fat towards myself again, ever, or anyone (laughs) else. But there's a lot of good that can happen. A lot of healing that can occur. We start to move around the world differently um, when we're not preoccupied with making ourselves smaller. So I'd love to hear, like, do you have like one or two examples where you've had clients just really connect back to them, their fullest selves. Yeah. I mean, I think the most, when you're spot on that, um, you know, like testimonials are sort of tricky because we still navigate living in this world. And, and I also never, I don't pretend like that that's ever going to stop, Mm -hmm. but what happens is that that mean voice gets way quieter and, and then, uh, when you have a body image disruption, like when I have a body image disruption, now I have all the tools to go like, oh, phew, oh gosh, here yeah, that old voice coming back up. And yeah. now I have the tools to to actually meet my needs um, in those moments instead of getting caught in a shame spiral. You know, right? talk about a shame spiral of like, oh, I feel ashamed of my body. Oof, I feel ashamed of my shame. Oh, and now I feel ashamed to reveal. Now I feel ashamed to ask for help. And, you know, part of what was so hard about doing this work at first, like in my earliest years, was that I thought that I um, needed to love how I looked all the time and never have a negative body image disruption again. And that if I did, that that meant I was a bad person because now I knew about anti-fatness and now I'm a fat phobic. And so like that morality around, um, those thoughts, 
yeah, so I just want to name that. that yes. First off, that's not real, except for that now those happen few and far between. And when they do, it's like much gentler and softer. Yes. And I don't feel such shame about revealing that and talking through it because that means I am human. I'm a human being living in our world. Right. And, but I think like the most rewarding things for me has seen people, um, start showing up in their lives Mm. that they say at the beginning, you know, when I ask people like, what are the dreams you have for yourself or what are things you want to do? And then they literally start doing it. Ah, And and that they um, start becoming fat activists. I'm Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) it's like, there's nothing more rewarding than I see, you know, because I always tell people, um, I, I ask my participants, I have um, agreements that I ask us to live by um, in the workshop. I don't believe in a safe space um, uh, that I don't think that's real because it is human nature that we will unintentionally do harm as we're working to undo harm. Yeah. And talk about safe um, as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but, but something that's really great is when, and so I always say what's, what's shared stays, right? You don't get to share anyone else's story, but what's learned leaves and watching people, um, shout fat activism, they're starting to (laughs) post about it. They're even like, they're just, they're writing their own content. I mean, that, that is a change I wish to see because mm. I would say it starts with us and it trickles out yep. and you will not believe the impact that you can have. Um, and that starts by talking about it with um, people that you trust. You know, not everyone deserves your story or your mm. energy or your time, um, but you can start with the people who do. And then you become powerful and you can start sharing that story and you start making a difference in your community, a real difference. And, um, that is just like the most fulfilling thing to see that this works and that also we don't have to, you know, body acceptance isn't something we arrive at. It's a repetitive practice of like staying with yourself and honoring your feelings. Um, while also, you know, figuring out what you do to to meet those needs and, and staying with yourself instead of going to that shame spiral. Now I got to go on that diet. Now I got to go on that exercise regime of, just working through that and yeah. sitting with it. I mean, I think that that's one of the things that people hate to hear is that I'm like, we're going to practice sitting with discomfort. <laughs> I know. People are like, oh, hell no. I thought I was just going to like go to a pool party and feel good. And I'm like, I know we want to skip to the good part, but the only way out is through. And this is deep. This is difficult, but like, oh my gosh. It also, I have to say goes faster than people think. I think so too. I've told, I'm like, Five days, give it five days and you will start to see. Huge yeah. Shifts. Cause like, you know, yeah. I do, I have a level one and a level two workshop. They're 10 weeks. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I promise you that you are going to see huge yeah. shifts in 10 weeks yeah. and often mm-hmm. even before that. Yeah. And that actually there's no barometer for success. No, we're not, we're all going to be in different places mm-hmm. and we're all going to experience, we have different lived experience. We have different, um, you know, things. So, so it's not, there's not like, you always laugh at um, exercise and um, fitness coaches and dieting programs that yeah. are like, eat and move like I do and you'll look like me. Like, that literally <laughs> no. is not true from like a genetic standpoint, but yeah. also just like have a little emotional bandwidth, right. like just like expand your mind a little bit and your lived experience is different mm-hmm. from your siblings lived experience. Like, you know, we all have different places. So, you know, I say I'm not trying to, um, 
what works for me may not work for you, but also this is a shared universal experience. And as we talk, as we share, as you speak your truth, you will find that healing in community. Um, and it will happen faster than you think, because that's the thing is that we do need one another. We all have that need yeah. to belong and having belonging um, is is powerful and mm-hmm. but it, it takes bravery right you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta find that courage comes after you do the thing you're afraid to do but speaking those things you're ashamed of or that have caused you grief I mean it's just so powerful oh it's so good oh my god your course sounds so inspiring ah, thank I you thank it. you so much it. I just the arc feels so good what you described and oh um I'm super curious. Actually, we had talked about when we were kind of connecting before we hit record, I asked if you wanted, if you'd be interested in coaching, actually yeah. doing a little coaching demo and you graciously agreed. So um, I'm going to give a little scenario and Great. you have a technique that you're going to walk me through. And I, I'm so glad to do this because I think, um, I think it's so helpful for people to have practical approaches. Like you said, I have, you have tools to know what to do when disruption occurs. And this is one of those tools and coaching. One of the things I've done a ton of therapy throughout my whole life. And what I chose to become a coach is I loved, I'm a doer. I'm like, like, I like to just get stuff done. Mm -hmm. So I loved how practical it was. And, um, so I love that we're going to just show this and I'm going to have a very real experience. So here's my situation. So I'm someone who is, you know, quite knowledgeable about, um, body stuff, body shame, fat acceptance, um, fat liberation. I've been doing work in this area for a decade. I help other people as a coach. So I have a lot of like expertise, So then I get very frustrated and annoyed with myself, start to feel a bit of imposter syndrome Mm. when I struggle with my body. And so I'm um, on medication right now that has changed my body. So I have um, endometriosis, adenomyosis, and fibroids. And so we've been trying all these medications because uh, a content warning for anyone that doesn't want to hear about blood. I'm going to pause. People can fast forward if they need to. Um, But I basically was having the worst, heaviest, like what was coming out of my vagina was unreal. So Gyne put me on some meds and here in Canada, unlike I think in the U S Kelsey, I'm a little also jealous that you live in the U S right now. Um, I have about a one and a half year wait to get to a actual surgeon who specializes in endo. It's brutal. So I'm on all these drugs to try to control the bleeding because it was so severe. I was like going to the ER. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's brutal, brutal, brutal. So the fourth medication that I am now on (laughs) finally started to work a little bit, but by being all, all these medications with for endo for endometriosis, for anyone who's not familiar, it's all reliant on, they use a lot of hormonal based Mm -hmm. medications And I'm on these different levels of like, I started with birth control pills and it went to this one that was like a gonadotropin agonist in my brain, which was horrifying called Orlissa. It was brutal for me. Then um, progestin and then another progestin one. So now I'm on this progestin based with 
medication, which totally is designed to eliminate estrogen. Mm-hmm. And what's, I mean, there's a whole hormone stuff that I won't go into, but basically without estrogen, like you're, it's, it's kind of like I'm in medical menopause or, um, Yeah. And so my body has changed and where my body's changed the most is my belly. Mm. And it's so funny. I have never really had any issues with having a belly before, but it's like a bigger belly. It's a saggier belly. It's a belly where when I put on jeans, you like, I've got like the bump from like, you know, yeah, the, an apron the, belly. Yeah. Yes. I have it too. And I've never, yeah. And I've never had it before. And so I was trying, I needed to get some clothes. Cause after two years of pandemic, I've been basically living in tights and mm, t-shirts, which has been wonderful. But now I'm like, yeah. no, I'm now going back in the world. I probably should have one pair of jeans that fits. And I don't care about size. That was not the trigger for me. But I went into Torrid, I was trying on jeans, got some that fit that did also too. I have, I have so much sensitivity about any pressure on my body, mm. on my mm. belly, like, cause I'm just so swollen and inflamed yeah. and oh, all these things. Anyway. So I've got the jeans on, they feel comfy. And I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, what's up with that? And then I said to myself, no, no, no. I follow amazing influencers in fashion and they tuck in their top and I'm going to be that kind of person. (laughs) And I couldn't do it, Kelsey. I was so embarrassed. I was like, why, but not, not embarrassed of what other people would think of what I thought of myself. Why can't I be that person? I love when I see other women do it. I love Lizzo and all her thick girls parading around in like latex and assless chaps. I want that. And then I couldn't even do a French tuck of a t-shirt into my jeans. And I just, I'm still sitting with that. And I'm like, so, so I've got all these feelings about it. And especially as someone who is an activist in this area. um, So I just, I would love for you to like, I feel like that's my coaching topic. Like, how do I be with all of that? Yeah. Well, first off, I want you to know, I totally hear you. Mm -hmm. I resonate with everything you said. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I consistently experience this. And I think that at first I would feel imposter syndrome. Um, And I'm just going to speak from my experience, right? Yeah. I can only share. um, So, and I would think, oh God, and that, so I, I would get in that shame spiral, right? That shame about my shame. Ooh, yes. that would just cut deep. And I would feel so embarrassed. Um, and I, first I want to say you're already doing the work because you're sharing it with me. You're speaking your truth and like, that's badass. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, I think be compassionate. That's like the first thing is being compassionate with yourself, like cutting yourself some slack because again, you were born into a culture that taught you that an apron belly and a belly showing and a body being different, uh, than it used to be is bad. Right. I mean, this is what's so fucked in our culture Mm -hmm. is that even as we, we are all, our bodies are going to naturally change and fluctuate all throughout our lives. And that is difficult. Um, it's difficult when we go through puberty, it's difficult if, you know, like if you're taking medication, if you have an injury, if you age, you know, all of that is really difficult and it's unavoidable. And so, um, one that's, you got to sit with that. Like, I'm going to be compassionate, try to cut yourself a break. And then I would start to reality test it, say, Mm. 
Okay. So when I look in the mirror, when I'm trying on these clothes and I'm trying out that French tuck, um, what are the thoughts I'm having? Because a lot of people, and I don't know if this is for you, but they um, want to avoid, like that thought comes into their brain and then it's either like, it's either extreme shame, I'm going to go to f- fixing, or it's like, ooh, avoid and hide. Avoid right. and hide. I don't want to look at that. So my yeah. invitation would be, well, write down what are those thoughts that are coming up and mm-hmm. what do you believe that means about what do you believe your body means about you as a person? Mm. And so really giving yourself space to like really write that down. It might be painful. And also mm. you might not be able to do it all at once. Right. I would say like, sometimes like we don't get to get to control when a body image disruption happens, but we do get to control how we respond to it. So, you know, you can, and then I always say to um, scale it because if something, if a thought that, a body image disruption that's come up for you puts you at a 10, then that's a sign that you need additional support. So then I would say, oh, see great. a therapist, see, yeah. it. but, but if it's on the lower end, then you can start asking, okay, so what do I believe that means about me? Once you get that thought written out that my stomach is bigger and this is what I believe it means about me as yeah. a person, then you can ask, well, is that true? Are those beliefs that I have about what having a bigger stomach means? Is that true? Because if it's not true for someone else, it can't be true for you. Hmm. And two, is it kind? Like, is it helpful? Um, because, <laughs> you know, I want to live a life of kindness. And so am I being kind? Because, and then ultimately, does that align with my values? And, um, you know, we grew up with inherited values on what having a good body looks like. I'm having a, what a worthy body looks like. Those aren't my actual values though. Like me as a person, when I go, what do I value in other people? Um, It's not their, I'm not like, oh my gosh, their waist is so tiny. I love them. (laughs) That's not real for me. That might be real for some people. For me, that is not real. It's not what I value. So now I'm reality testing it. And then, so then I can go, oh, I have some space from that thought. I can see how, um, okay, this is where I learned that. This is what I believe it means. And then it's creating a bridge thought. So it's Mm -hmm. taking, so I have spent a lot of time with my stomach and I still have to. This is um, something I work on almost every day, spending time with my stomach. And part of that is exposure to it, actually looking at my own body, my own stomach. And I have to do that from different angles. I have to spend time sitting. My body looks very different standing than sitting. Yeah. So I've spent a lot of time sitting and I, so I have a full length mirror and I look from the side. I, as you see, I get lots of full body um, yeah. pictures taken uh, and I do not believe in editing uh, or Photoshopping Um I mean, you can adjust the lighting if the lighting <laughs> shit, but, but I don't believe in Photoshopping the body. Yeah. Um, and so, ex, you know, giving yourself exposure to that body part and then creating a bridge thought. Um, I kind of said this earlier, I don't believe in positive affirmations. I don't think it's realistic to, so you have this thought, oh, my stomach. So my thought with my stomach was um, my stomach my body has gotten bigger. My stomach is bigger and I'm afraid that I won't be loved. And it was more than that, but there was this one instance that I come back to a lot. 
And so I could reality test that one. I figured, oh, it's not true. Um, I know that my husband loves me. I know that I have people in my life. I have some family. I have family members and friends that I know love me. And so that I could go like, that's not true. Um, I don't think that's very kind. Uh, And it doesn't align with my values, but I can't just go like, Oh, no, I love my stomach. <laughs> like, that's so ridiculous. Especially no. I've been oppressed yeah. because of my stomach. I have had a lifetime mm-hmm. of body shame that's not realistic to go from. I hate my stomach to I love my stomach. So then I I have um, neutral affirmations or I call them possibility or bridge thought affirmations. Mm-hmm. So one that really helps me is... Um, I'm working to believe that um, having a big stomach does not makes I'm still worthy if I have a big stomach or I'm open to the possibility that I don't have to hate my stomach Mm. and whatever it is, you know, I say like a bridge thought that works for you one day or even one moment might not work for you the next. But my, um, my belief is that you have to find something that resonates as so, you know, in that body image disruption hits, it feels like, like a truth, at least through me, like shooting through my body. It's like, I, I like have this overwhelming weight of like, this is quote the truth. So whatever that bridge thought is, it must resonate that deeply. It must yeah. hit you in that. Otherwise it's just like faking it till you make it your yeah. brains. I call it the bullshit alarm. Your brain's <laughs> bullshit alarm is going off. So you have to meet yourself where you're at. And then sometimes that's in grief. I need to spend more time grieving that my body has changed. I need to spend more time um, just grieving what I believe that means I'm losing or what I'm gaining. And, um, and then you might have to get your needs met in different ways. So that might be a therapist, might be calling a loved one. So for me, like when I'm afraid I won't be loved, I have to ask my husband, can you remind me why you love me? Mm-hmm. And, or, you know, it's all those things. I have to go on a walk with my dog, uh, mm-hmm. get out in nature, meditate. Do I love EDMR, like shaking, tapping? Like these are all, um, but like really sitting with, the feeling instead. I mean, it's like the only way out is through, Um, but that's going to look different for you than it is me. And I also believe that that looks different moment to moment because what worked for me yesterday might not work for me tomorrow. (laughs) Um, So I know that's a lot. That was a lot of coaching. Um, The practices of meeting yourself where you're at um, and treating yourself with the same kind of generosity and compassion that you would with a friend that's aligned with your values. Mm-hmm. I really love that bridge thought concept of what, you know, the, it's almost like um, inquiring deeper into my own thoughts. And then mm-hmm. like one of my favorite questions is what's possible. And so when I think about what my bridge thought might be with this instance, with my bigger belly, um, it might be like, there's something for me about like, what might be possible if, what would it be? What might be possible if I just like, just like, let it go. Like, yeah. cause here's what was, what I'm noticing as you were talking and you're having me, I'm having a bit of an insight here. So thank you for that was I, felt like I should be like the, um, like the fashion influencers Mm. I see. 
And so it's like, well, what if I'm actually not? And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, cause I was, I was shooting myself. I was like, I should be able, cause I'm pretty confident naturally. And so like, I should be able to just walk around with my belly out at my next family gathering. And that actually started, you know what it is when you talk about like the deeper needs, which is such important work, what was coming up for me were feelings of unsafety. Mm -hmm. And so now we're not talking about just, can I do a French tuck? It's, can I feel safe? Yeah. which is a whole different need to be yes. met, yes. right? So it's really, I. this is what I think this work is so powerful is like what I think is just a vanity project of why can't I tuck in my t-shirt is now actually about yeah. deeper needs about safety, about expectations of how I quote unquote should or should not be because I do this work publicly um, and, and a whole bunch of other stuff that is now like just kind of spiraling in my brain. I'm like, oh yeah, actually I just, that's where I want to spend some time thinking about. And actually that's your authenticity. You know, I think something that's hard about social media is like that comparison. And yeah. so it doesn't surprise me at all because I've experienced this too of going like, I should be able to do that. But actually that's not me living in my authenticity. My authenticity actually it will probably never be like dressing up in lingerie and posting pictures that that's probably not my authentic path. Does that mean I don't appreciate it in other people? No, I like, so right. Love it, you know, yeah, that yeah. is awesome. But that, you know, that doesn't mean that that's where I'm at or actually what's healing for me for or what makes me feel safe in my body. And that's, yeah. We all deserve to feel safe in our bodies. And whether that's from our own minds or systemically, we deserve that safety. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's going to look different for me than it is for you. And it's going to look different for me today versus tomorrow. And, yeah, you know, yeah. so. And yeah. that's the thing. It's like, and that's where, I, that's why I love what you're talked about with your program. And even just the way you shared a whole bunch of kind of coaching approaches in with the scenario I brought is that, there is this acknowledgement of we, I, I actually call it with my clients. I'm like, I want you to have a, what to do when the shit hits the fan list. So yeah, it's like, what, I do too. Yeah. Right? It's, you're, you're, it's like your oh shit list. And I want you to have five things on it because what works for you in this moment, like you said, will not work for you an hour from now. So yeah, let's just, and it's hard when you're flooded to be like, you can't, oh, now you can't I think. know what to do. Yeah. You no. can't think. No. And so you got to like set up a system of support yeah. for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah totally. Totally. Um, that was so fun. Thank you. Yes, um, you're welcome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I have a, I have another question because the podcast is called fat joy and it's, it actually came from, um, this idea posited by Kai Cheng Tom about how people who are marginalized, like how, how do we stay connected to joy when we mm. live in a space of being constantly aggressed against. And I just was like, I had never really thought about that way because especially in therapy and coaching, even coaching is still not a fully anti-O space quite yet in the training, but this idea of, well, we just work and work and work until we're quote unquote healed. But Mm -hmm. if you are in a marginalized body or if you are marginalized, oppressed against, you probably can't heal. And that was like a really hard, that's even, I even have a hard time saying that, like, 
I can never fully heal, but that's what we've been talking about. We're living within it. So how do we find joy in that, in the really hard, awful, yeah, grief worthy, grieving worthy truth of that. So Kelsey, how do you connect to your joy? How do you find it and live from that place? I think I'm part of it is lucky because, um, like I, I have sort of been fun has Mm -hmm. been my goal my whole life. I always want to live in the fun. I want to make things like chores fun. Um, (laughs) and, and so for me, that looks like dancing to music, being with people I love, having meaningful conversations and, speaking my truth because that, and I want to clarify that that is joy and versus easy. Yes. Um, these yes. are not necessarily easy yes. things. Um, but ultimately I know that when I am doing those things that truly spark joy for me, like that means I have to live in my truth I have to speak like my real thoughts and that's not always easy. Uh, I feel like I'm like constantly (laughs) telling my family, like, please don't say that. This is, this is bullshit. No one needs to suck in for the picture. Yeah. Everyone, like, I feel like I'm constantly, (laughs) um, I swear my family must be like, oh God, can we get a There she goes again. (laughs) That was part of the promise that I made to myself was, I'm going to speak up. And now I don't always, I ask myself, is this timely? Mm-hmm. It's not always timely mm-hmm. to speak out or up. Um, but I, I don't, I don't do it. At, but if it's going to betray myself, then I do it. Nice. Um, and so then that means that's also means practicing. Like I start out each class with freestyle dance because Yay. it's like yet another thing that's been taken from fat bodies. And I love to dance. I think I am the most beautiful and myself when I am dancing. And I mean, if I have an opportunity to go to a very fun dance party, I will shut that party down. Um <laughs> And so that's something I want to take back. It's an opportunity to be seen, but it's also like gets you in your body. Yeah. Gets me in my body. Um, So I like to speak in I statements because I don't know if it gets you in your body, Mm -hmm. but it does get me in my body. And so that, but that is part of um, my joy is, is being in my body. I dissociated from my body for so long. And sometimes I still need to, sometimes Mm -hmm. that's a coping mechanism that I turn to because that is the way for me to regulate the fastest. So then I can actually meet my needs. But, um, you know, that practicing that, that joy asking myself, I mean, that's like the, the question of how do you want to participate fully in your life is like, well, what does make you happy? And then how can you make space for that? And that might look different than you thought. And like letting go of that expectation of what it's supposed to look like. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then just, I I really try to practice that. You know, I'm also, uh, I have to say rest matters. It's like a gift of the pandemic. Rest is everything. Yes. And I no longer feel guilty about that because I see that when I prioritize rest for myself, I can be my best self. And if I'm going to do this work and I'm going to like coach other people with this, Mm -hmm. I need 
to be my best self. I need to be able to hold space. I need to be able to have like sit in discomfort. So I got to be well rested. I got to take care of myself. I got to listen to my body. And that brings me joy. That makes space for the joy. Um, Because, you know, if I'm too busy running around and distracting myself with all the things, that means I'm, I'm actually not in the experience of life. And that's both in grief and in pain and in anger and in joy and in comfort Mm -hmm. and in ease and in love. And so making space for all those things, but you know, that's, that's also why I will always continue acting. I love acting and I, Mm -hmm. and it feels very aligned with the fat acceptance movement. We representation matters. And I'm like, I'm like, you need to hire the, the, the fat people. Come on. Like this is real. So that feels very aligned. It doesn't, um, doesn't feel separate from no. this work uh, and, you know, spending time with the people I love. Like, that's the thing. I just make a list of my, like what actually matters to me and what brings me joy. And then I like actively work towards those things. Can I work towards that? I love it. It's so good. It's so good. Um, this has been such a joy filled conversation, Kelsey. You just, you have like light emanating out of you. And Uh, I've had so much fun chatting and would love to keep the conversation going. So thank you for being here and all the good work that you do. You too. I'm excited for more and more people to find you. Thank you. And right back at you. I (laughs) thank you for doing this work and and for reaching out. So I'm happy to have you as a colleague and friend. Yay. Me too. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Kelsey. Okay. Thank you. Before we go, I'd like to read a poem because poetry can reach our hearts in a different way. Poems can have us feel in a different way. And that's what this podcast is about. Expanding our hearts deepening our empathy, and inviting in joy. So each week, you get a new poem. Today's poem is called Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clear, clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, The world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. Thank you for joining me today. My hope is that you're feeling a little less alone and a little more seen. So until the next episode, you can find me on Instagram at fatjoy.life, on the website at www.fatjoy.life, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash fatjoy. Please don't forget to check out the show notes for how you can connect with my amazing guest and for the links to the poem. All right, lovely. I am sending you off with my wishes for an abundantly fat joy day. Talk again soon.